Skagit Talks is supported by the Associated Students of Skagit Valley College, representing students and organizing activities throughout the school year. Find out more at assvc.com. If you enjoyed this program, we need your donation today. Just go to ksvr.org and press the donate button. Thank you. It's now time for Skagit Talks. Featuring local news, interviews, and information from around the valley. Created with the help of Skagit County community volunteers. Now, KSVR 91.7 presents Skagit Talks. Today is a conversation with Mary Lynn Duarte, a second-year student from the Skagit Valley College Nursing Program, giving a look at the requirements and challenges from the student point of view. From the Northwest News Network, large number of whale deaths concerned scientists. All this and more on today's edition. Now, Marilyn Duarte, nursing student. This is Robin Candelaria for Skagit Talks. And today we are having our Skagit Valley College edition of Skagit Talks. I like to highlight some of our programs and educational offerings here at the college. And so today I have a student from the nursing program here, and she's going to get us excited about that program and the education that's offered there. Hello, Mary Lynn Duarte. Hi, how are you? I am good. So let's start off by saying uh, welcome to the college. How long have you been attending here? Um, I'm going into my second year of the nursing program here at Skagit Valley College, and I did all my prereqs up in Bellingham at Whatcom Community College. Oh, that's a beautiful college as well. It's nice up there. Yeah. And so um, what did you cover mostly in your first year? Fundamentals, mostly nursing fundamentals, the basic skills we need to really get in to our hospital experience. So things like passing medications and assessments and basic disease processes and all the different things that goes into a person's healing and their sickness. So like um, Mm. things like their socioeconomic status or things like their uh, religion or how they interact with their family or what they eat or how much they exercise. Wow. So you really start off with meat and potatoes in that program. Yes. it's uh. We hit the ground running. Wow. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And how did you get there? What's your backstory, if you will? And tell me a little bit about what enticed you into the program to begin with. Wow. It starts a long time ago. When I was um, in elementary school, I think I was in the fourth grade, and we did those little, like, quiz things, you know, those like standardized things. And yeah. it said, and I like filled it out and it said I was going to be a scientist or a nurse. Wow. And I feel like they're kind of the same things also. Yes. And then when I turned 18, I ended up doing caregiving. Um, and I did, I still do caregiving. So that was 10 years ago. Now tell me about when you say caregiving, are you talking young children? Are you talking elderly or everything in between? Um, everything in between. It's mostly vulnerable populations. So mostly, mostly the elderly, some disabled adults or disabled children and people with developmental disabilities. And, um, I really was able to bounce around doing that in nursing homes or doing in-home care where I'd travel to people's houses and it's really flexible actually which was great and so I felt like nursing was kind of the next step in that process. Okay you know um, the first thing that came to mind was at 18 
that is not a career choice that most people are making. So what caused you to choose that path? It was, I think, two things. Like, I was raised by my grandparents, so I had a lot of involvement, or not even involvement, just I got to witness the health process that older people and aging people go through from an early age, and I don't think most people have a firsthand experience of that. It's very, you know, their grandparents are far removed from them. And then at the same time, my mother called me right around when I was turning 18, telling me that that's what she was doing, and it was really great and flexible, and it's, you know, more than minimum wage, and I've already been familiar with people's care, and I have kind of a tender heart, so Mm. she thought it would be a good fit, and it was... It was. And so how long did you uh, have that first job? Man, I think the first job I had for maybe five years, and that was the in-home caregiving where you are with an agency and they put you in people's houses and it's flexible. But the thing with that is there's not a lot of hours. Mm. So I ended up supplementing that with um, a nursing home job, or actually it was an assisted living job where I did care and I also did medication administration, okay. which I'm finding that was a huge help now being in the program. Oh, that's being wonderful. familiar with those medications. Uh-huh. And so I did both of those um, for many years and then up to six, I think. I worked at the, that nursing home for six years. And then now I work for the state of Washington. I contract with them and I take care of my grandma and then some other people. You've really always been immersed in this world. Mm -hmm, I have. It's been very familiar to me for a long time. Okay. And you did the year up in Bellingham. And uh, like we mentioned, that was just really intensive to start with. And then um, what did you do during your break? Between my, what break? Between the first year and second year, did you take some time off and do something fun? Oh, my summer break. I garden and I farm, so I just, I did that. I just immersed myself in my garden. Oh, that's... Pretended I wasn't going back to nursing school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good thing to do, I think. Um, Nursing, you probably spend a lot of time indoors, Mm -hmm. and so you're off time. It's great to be outdoors, get the fresh air and the different perspective on life, Mm -hmm. and then it gets you ready to come back into what I would assume is... Not only an intense um, work-wise, but emotionally exhausting career. I think it is. I mean, caregiving has a high burnout rate, and I've experienced that, having to take sometimes year-long breaks from it, because you give a lot of yourself emotionally and physically, you know, and Mm -hmm. your time, and the program's no different, you know. It's uh, the amount of stress that you have, all the time wears on you. Mm. And so when you do take a break, it you know, you're exhausted. Right. And I think that's part of, you know, it's the anxiety-based learning, it's the testing model, it's the um, just the extreme nature of nursing itself. Well, sure, because uh, it's not going to be any different when you get out in the real world. No. It's going to have that same pace and that same intensity. At least there's no tests. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, real life testing. Real life tests. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's now move into your Skagit Valley College time. And what has it been like for you here, transferring from the other place and um, coming here? Was it welcoming? Did you Are you enjoying your time here on campus? And what is your class like? I really enjoy my cohort. 
I've had the same group of people since I started, and it's been really wonderful. I've got to know everybody so well, and we all have different backgrounds and different lifestyles, and I just feel um, really embraced, and it's like a extended family at this point with my second year, and that's been just, I'm so grateful for that. I don't think I could do it without those connections and those people there supporting me. And I feel just as supported by the teachers. I've mm-hmm. had amazing professors and they just want you to succeed and they're compassionate and they're, they've all been nurses. They've all worked in the field, so many different fields for so many years. So to have them bring that experience and those stories to the teaching experience has been wonderful. I think one of my favorite things about taking a class um, when you get the opportunity to work with different instructors is that different perspective, you know, seeing the same thing approached from different perspectives mm-hmm. is so helpful. It's valuable. It really is. And it, it helps seed it into your mind and it helps you absorb it so well because there's always one that just really resonates with you and it just makes it solidify in your mind and yeah that's great especially when you have more than one instructor that's really good Mm -hmm. and that you really identify with and you're just able to you know pick up the the tasks and the you know the instruction so much better yeah Yeah, they're great they're great teachers and you know some of them have their doctorates and some of them have their masters and some of them have been in nursing for 30 years and it just I I love it. Hmm. It's great. I mean, I have, you know, criticisms, but as a science student, you can't, you know, take the good without having some places for improvement. But I don't know that you would be a good scientist if you didn't question and mm-hmm. quest. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's part of it. And that's how we make new discoveries and yeah, that's exciting stuff too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, back to the cohort. What a great idea. Doesn't it make sense that having people stay together makes a difference? It's like the, um, I don't know if you've heard of the Waldorf model of teaching young children, but they keep the same group of kids together, and they have the same teachers throughout their education. But just having the same group of students together has been amazing, and we can lean on each other and develop relationships. And our teachers tell us all the time that the friends we make in nursing school will carry us through sometimes the rest of our lives in our career. Yeah, it's always neat to, to stay in touch with those people who, you know, were there from the very beginning and... Yeah. We can share the trauma bonding. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you finish with this program, um, how will you get a job? Is it part of the program? Are they going to help you or are you on your own? And how does one um, go from being a nursing student to uh, a paid nursing professional? So the next step once you're done with graduation is to take the NCLEX, which is the um, national standardized test for the Board of Nursing. So that's what you take and that's what you need to pass to be a nurse. And so it's recommended to do that within four to six weeks after graduation. So we'll go and do that and that's, you know, a couple hundred dollars and the program's preparing us for that test. So it's a big theme throughout the entire program is how to pass the NCLEX. You know, they integrate it with all the other material. And then if you want to use a professor or a clinical instructor to give you a letter of reference, you just fill out a form if you have a good connection with someone or if you really feel like they witnessed your capabilities, then they can write you a letter of reference for a job. Oh, that's, that's great. What you're looking at. It's, so you're sort of on your own, but they can, they're preparing you for the test and they can give you a letter of recommendation, which is very useful. 
And it seems with the accolades that you're talking about that they have, it's going to be a great letter of recommendation. It's going to yeah, propel I you forward. I have, I hope. <laughs> How many people are in your class? I believe we started with 30. Okay. And now? We lost four due to personal reasons, and we gained two this quarter who um, hopped in because they either failed another quarter or something happened where they needed to pick up on this specific quarter. So it is a pretty large class. Yeah. Our clinical groups are about, they're about 10 each, 8 to 10 each at a given location. When you say clinical groups, is that like smaller subsets of your big group? Yeah, and that's okay. who goes with us to the hospital, or we, we're at Skagit Valley Hospital and Island Hospital, and that's where we do our skills portion. And basically, we're pretending to be nurses. We're learning how to be nurses on the floor with real nurses. Okay, and I assume that you're, you're going to be working with uh, people here pretty soon then? Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's second week of school. We always start each quarter. So each quarter we have um, clinical. Is that exciting or is it a little intimidating? I love it, actually, because I'm, fam- well, for one, I'm familiar with it, yeah. you know, that kind of environment. But for two, it makes me feel like I'm actually working towards something instead of just studying for textbooks exams. It's like, oh, yeah, like I get to apply this in real life. I get to interact with human beings and participate in their healing. And I get to apply everything I learned in a critical thinking environment. So for me, it makes it all worth it. It sounds like you've learned what you need to because you have the confidence. I can hear in your voice. Um, Now you're going to be going from somebody who's not just a caregiver, but responsible for the health of not just the care. And um, you seem like you're ready to go. So I think they've done a good job. I think so. They have given me a lot of confidence and they've done a really good job of teaching and building on the previous knowledge. It's amazing how much you don't realize you learn until Mm -hmm. you're there and you're like, wow, I have a whole library in my head that I can access. Gosh, that is so great to hear. And this has been really fun to hear more about the nursing program here at Skagit Valley College. Thank you so much for coming to share. Thank you. Okay, this has been Robin Candelaria for Skagit Talk. If you enjoyed this program, we need your donation today. Just go to ksvr.org and press the donate button. Thank you. This is Betsy Charnas with ACE, arts, culture, and entertainment in lovely Skagit Valley. It's the last official week of the Tulip Festival. Things should be calmer now. So now it's time to gear up for summer ahead. How about volunteering for the Mount Vernon Farmer's Market? It goes May 18th to October 12th. There are short shifts and longer ones to be had. There's more information online at mvmarketeers at gmail.com. A shout-out to the 26 cadets that will graduate from Skagit Valley College's 31st Annual Park Law Enforcement Academy. Congratulations! This program is one of only seven in the nation taught at college or university level that is approved by the National Park Service and accredited by the Federal Law Enforcement Training Board. The ceremony will be held at McIntyre Hall from 1 to 3 on Friday, April 26th, tomorrow. There's trivia night at Garden Path Fermentation Center at the Skagit Airport in Burlington. It starts at 5.30 tonight, and it's free. There are open mic sessions tonight at Loco Billy's Wild Moon Saloon and the Brown Lantern. At the Lincoln Theater on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, they're showing the film Women at War, shows at various times. 
On Saturday, the film The Trail of 98 shows at 5 o'clock. On Sunday, National Theatre Live presents All About Eve. And on Tuesday evening, Won't You Be My Neighbor shows at 6.30. At McIntyre Hall on Friday, Sonde Madera plays for your listening pleasure at 7.30. On Saturday and Sunday, the Skagit Valley Chorale presents their spring program, Celebrating in Song, Saturday at 7.30 and Sunday at 2. Some of the music being played around town includes Anelia's Kitchen and Stage on Friday and Saturday nights, the Big Lake Bar and Grill has karaoke on Friday and a band on Saturday night. The Conway Muse has music tonight through Saturday. The Rockfish Grill has the Chris Eager Band on Saturday night. The Old Edison Inn has music on Saturday and Sunday night. The Brown Lantern hosts a band on Friday and Saturday nights. The Guimas Island General Store has a band on Friday night. And at the Corner Pub, Canute Bell plays solo at 6.30. The Friends of the Burlington Public Library are having a book sale with most items being $2 or less on Washington Avenue in Burlington on Friday from 10 to 4.30 and Saturday from 10 to 3. There's Brewer's Night at the Fireweed Terrace in Eaglemont on Friday from 6 to 8, 21 or older, and it's free entry. Also on Friday, you can hear Petite Fleur, a free jazz concert brought to you by the Skagit Community Band, directed by the one and only Vince Feheran at Maple Hall in Laconner at 7.30. Catch the second film of the spring film series at the Anacortes Public Library. It's free on Friday at 7. On Sunday, and this sounds fun, a pop-up market called Valley Made Market with over 20 vendors, art, Food and Music will be outside El Sage Designs on 1st Street in Mount Vernon from 11 to 5. There's also the great outdoors with tulips still to be seen and our beautiful countryside everywhere. Have a great week, all. And now regional news from the Northwest News Network. About 30 gray whales have washed up dead along the West Coast this year. As Jefferson Public Radio's Angela Decker reports, scientists expect some migrating whale deaths but the high number is concerning. Every spring, gray whales migrate up the west coast from Baja to the Bering Sea north of Alaska in search of food. They then make the return journey in the fall after feeding on krill and small schooling fish. Dr. Porik Dagnan is with the Marine Mammal Center in Sausalito and part of a large collaboration of scientists tracking and studying the whales. He's examined some of the dead whales found in the Bay Area. We're kind of seeing what we always see, which is some ship strikes, some entanglements from this population. But what's unusual this year is it are the malnourished animals. Dagnan says normally some whales die as they make the roughly 12,000-mile round trip, but the number and the poor condition of the dead whales is troubling. He says the malnourishment that scientists are seeing now is likely caused by the whales not getting enough food last year while they were up north. They didn't get enough nutrition then and they left with basically with a half-empty tank to get uh, back down to Mexico and come all the way back again. Dagnan says scientists are still looking into what has changed in the northern waters. He says it could be climate change related or it could be part of a cycle. A similar event happened between 1999 and 2000 when 25 whales died during the migration. Many of them were also malnourished. Angela Decker reporting. Here's the national news. The Public News Service Daily Newscast for Thursday, April the 25th, 2019. I'm Mike Clifford. 
Multiple sources say Deutsche Bank has started turning over President Trump's financial documents to the New York Attorney General. Also on our Thursday rundown, we'll tell you about a Catholic hospital that offered contraception for decades, and then the bishop found out. Plus, an oil company loses a round in efforts to frack on the coast of California. Topping our news, Deutsche Bank has reportedly started turning over President Trump's financial documents to the New York State Attorney General's office. The Hill cites reports from both CNN and agency France Press, also known as AFP. Both reported that development on Wednesday and cited anonymous sources. The Hill notes the Attorney General's office earlier this year subpoenaed the bank for records on loans made to Trump for several of his business projects. CNN reported Deutsche Bank is turning over documents related to the Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C., the Trump International Hotel and Tower in Chicago, the Trump National Doral Miami Resort, and Trump's unsuccessful attempts to buy the NFL's Buffalo Bills. A spokesperson for Deutsche Bank told AFP that the bank is cooperating with the investigation, but offered no further comment. Catholic hospitals are expanding their reach through mergers with secular institutions nationwide. About one in six women say a Catholic hospital is their go-to health care provider. Ross Brown reports in states like Iowa, more rigorous enforcement of directives from Catholic bishops is now impacting access to health care. Since April 1st, Mercy One Medical Center, formerly called Covenant, has prohibited contraceptive implants and severely limited other hormonal birth control after already banning new tubal ligation procedures. Doula Ebony Bailey of Waterloo is concerned for midwives like those at Covenant who delivered her baby and provided post-delivery contraception. I think that they're in a really, really tough position where I feel like potentially they have to choose between what they feel like is morally correct and their job. Their job is what pays their bills. Iowa ranks second in the nation for the number of acute care beds operating under Catholic health restrictions, according to Merger Watch. Our story was produced in collaboration with original reporting by Amy Littlefield for Rewire News. The Catholic Church advocates natural family planning, which has a nearly 25% failure rate. Environmental groups have won another round in the battle over fracking in federal waters off the coast of California. More on that from Suzanne Potter. The company, called Decor LLC, had asked for an exception to a moratorium put in place last December. That ruling forbids the Trump administration from approving permits for fracking or acidizing in the Pacific until proper environmental review is done. Steve Jones, with the Center for Biological Diversity, called the company's request ridiculous. Decor had no good reason for wanting to do this other than increase its profits at the cost of marine wildlife and coastal communities. The ruling only applies to fracking and acidizing at existing platforms and would not prevent the Trump administration from issuing permits to expand drilling in federal waters. And the revised five-year plan for that is expected to come out very soon. Decor claimed in court papers that the moratorium would hurt company finances, but the judge said the protection of marine life takes priority. The decision gives the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service time to finish its environmental assessment. An East Tennessee resident has been diagnosed with measles, and public health officials have released new information on when and where people might have been exposed. Anyone who spent time at a Mapco Mart in Chattanooga on April 11th and at a Speedway gas station in Clinton on April 12th might have been exposed if they came into contact with a confirmed patient. 
State epidemiologist Tim Jones says even with just one known measles case, the Tennessee Health Department is taking a proactive approach to curtail the spread of the highly contagious airborne disease. So far, uh, we've only identified one case. I will say that I will be shocked if we don't see more. Measles is one of the most contagious diseases that we deal with. Personally, I'm almost certain we will see additional cases People recently infected with measles may not show symptoms, but can still transmit the virus for nearly a week before a rash appears on the face and body. Other telltale signs of measles include high fever, runny nose, body aches, and white spots in the mouth. Tennessee has had only 15 cases of measles in the last decade. I'm Nadia Ramlagan. Finally, Dan Hyman tells us this Saturday and Sunday, a volunteer group will be embarking on its 19th season of trail stewardship in a wilderness part of the Allegheny National Forest. The Friends of Allegheny Wilderness is looking for more folks to help by hand clearing and maintaining the 13-mile Hickory Creek Wilderness Trail in a roadless section of the Allegheny. Randy Welsh with the National Wilderness Stewardship Alliance says the FAW is one of a couple of hundred groups that are enthusiastically maintaining these special wild places. They are putting their own blood, sweat, and tears into protecting them, maintaining them, doing what they can to preserve and protect that experience for future generations. And they definitely enjoy it because they keep coming back over and over well, says the Forest Service has been so underfunded for years that it's forced to rely on nonprofit groups such as the FAW to do the work the feds cannot keep up with. I'm Mike Clifford. You've been newsing and cruising with Public News Service. We are member and listener supported, and we are online at publicnewsservice.org. Thanks for listening to today's edition. Produced by Joseph C. McGuire and edited by Jay Charles. You've been listening to Skagit Talks, the community information and news program on KSVR, Skagit Community Radio. <laughs>